SEO is AEO. Welcome to the show, Alma Boutin. Ta-da. We met yesterday. We are at PubCon. Yes. Uh, we talked together yesterday. We, we shared a session. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. I mean, I thought you were amazing. And I, I thought you were amazing. Seriously, <laughs> I, we're having a love fest here. But I, seriously, our sessions, our, our talks went so well together. Yeah. And they complemented each other so well. You know, you took the branding side of things yeah. and I was looking things more from the topical perspective. What, what I liked is kind of you sent your slide mm -hmm. deck in, you'd taken all the good ideas. So I had to think of something else. And I said, I'll concentrate <laughs> on brand. But then you changed your slides to add a little bit of brand to bring me in. Mm -hmm. And that was a beautiful segue. I thought that was really, really It, it was. And that's the one thing that I love about how, you know, when we coordinate sessions ahead of time, that we can really work at making it one good, cohesive yeah, bit and, of time. I mean, you, you were saying, big, Come on, send your slide back, man, because mm -hmm. I was really late. Uh, and, and you're right, you know, because to make sure that it's all kind of cohesive and, and it works together. Yeah. Um, I, it, was, it was a real pleasure uh, mm -hmm. speaking with you. Oh, no, I really enjoyed it. I, I love meeting you and, and, and we had great energy. Yeah. Uh, we kind of played off each other really well. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Brilliant mm -hmm. stuff. And I love your name. Elmer is a great name. And Boutin sounds kind of French. It is French, yeah. Oh. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah. It sounds French because it because is French. Because it is French. Yeah. I, uh, I, have a hobby of genealogy. So one really? of the things I was doing is uh, researching my ancestors. And I found that among my ancestors were a group that were the first settlers of Montreal from France. Okay. And then another group of my family, a couple hundred years later or a hundred years later, were part of the group that went with Cadillac to found Fort Detroit or Fort Pontchartrain, which eventually became Detroit. So oh, I have some really- Hang on, so, so the Cadillac family started Detroit. Well, Cadillac was the name of the person who came from um, that part of New France oh, okay, right, to found right. Detroit. And then they named a car after him. Then they named a car after him. The really and a city really, and... <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. I mean, I, I associate Cadillac with um, the, the Great Balls of Fire movie when he, he, oh, he yeah. makes his first whatever it is and he buys this car and he does that sweeping arm gesture. That's right. <laughs> right. Anyway, mm -hmm. we, we're not talking about that. We're talking about what was it? Human-centered, data-driven content. Right. Did I get that right? That is right. Human-centered, data-driven content. Yeah, it's pretty hard to say. It is. <laughs> I, I, I give myself a tongue twister yesterday, too. It's like, blah, 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 yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, one of the things what, that I... What do you mean is the question? So what I've been focusing on is looking at how do Google and Bing assess relevance when matching up queries to content? Sorry, just quickly to interject halfway through, you always say Google and Bing, whereas I just say Google every time. I like that. I think that's really important. I, I think it is too. Um, there's there's a there's a reason I pay attention to Bing, and they do have. I mean, even at 20, 30 percent, whatever you think their market share is, that's still a lot of searchers. Hmm. So it doesn't pay to completely ignore them. So I, I often focus on both. Okay. Because Sorry. I think it's I think it's important, and there are some parts of my the businesses that I work with hmm. that are in countries where Bing is actually dominant. Really? There are some countries where Bing is the dominant search engine. For example. Um, I couldn't think of them off the top of my head. Oh, Sorry. Sorry, you know, I've got a map. Person. I've got a map and a slide deck that I did last year when I talked about international SEO. But I mean, Google by far worldwide is yeah. Dominant. I mean, but I, there are France, pockets. Bing is like seven percent. Yeah, there, I mean, there's pockets here and there. So, um, okay. but even again, it you know, if they're twenty or thirty percent in the United States, that's a lot of searches. Yeah, no, sure, hundred percent. So we don't want to ignore them. So I just said you just said. 20, 30% is a lot. And I said, sure, 100%. That just doesn't make sense. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, ba back to uh, human-centered, data-driven content. You had your two hands up and I interrupted you. I had my you. hands up, yeah. yeah so I'm talking, about, I'm talking about two halves of the coin because okay. 
what I pointed out yesterday is, first of all, I firmly believe that the search engines are designing their products using a human-centered design perspective. Okay. So human-centered design is just, it, it's, it's, it's been around for a long time, but it's kind of had a revival over the last several years. Uh, I mentioned the right, book yeah. 101 Design Methods by Vijay Kumar. It's a really nice book if you okay. just want to understand human-centered design and how it works. And there's a diagram in that book where he talks... It illustrates the human-centered design process as like a pinwheel almost. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of it is focused intent. What is the intent of the end user? Okay. So if you listen to Google, especially, talk about what should you do to recover if your site tanks from a recent update? Okay. You know, and Danny yeah. Sullivan's answer, and, and you hear Gary say this or John Mueller say this every so often, you know, it's just focus on building the best website you can. Yep that helps your that helps your users so you're looking okay. at now, connecting customers with the information on your website well so, yeah sorry can i interject sure. there and say oh, yeah. you're, you're you're connecting customers with solutions to their problems to their problems yeah and that's the key is to looking at it from that human-centered perspective because google and bing are trying to get answers to their users in one click or less right that's yeah. why we have answer boxes and knowledge cards and all these other great features because they're trying to make it easier for their users to access the information that they want. Mm. But you hear them, they talk about relevancy and intent all the time, and mm. they don't talk about the intent of the brand and their website. They're talking about the intent of the user, mm. right? And so I've got, it in the slide deck that I did at PubCon yesterday in the appendix, I had clips and clips and clips of tweets where I'm putting all of this information together. But the folks from Bing yesterday said something really interesting, too. Oh, really? Um, it was, this is, search is built by humans for humans. Yeah, okay. I, again, yeah, I keep it go, hearing that. It goes days. back to the, to the end user, right? So if we're looking at understanding Google and Bing and how they're going to reward mm -hmm. better search placement for queries, we have to understand that that's the paradigm that they're coming from. So that's the human-centered part of it. Yeah. The data-driven approach part of it is that the data that we get about queries, mm -hmm. you know, we get the data from Google, we get it from Bing, we get it from all sorts of tools, that helps us to understand what topics are important to the users yeah. as they're going through a purchase journey, however long or short it is, they're doing research online. We know that. I mean, that's a given. Is the vast majority of consumers go online to research a purchase. Mm. So they're asking specific questions. The interesting thing that I find in the research that I do is that the consumers are looking for very practical information. Yeah. Okay. It's almost boring. <laughs> I, and it's funny because, you know, brands don't want to be boring. They want to be cool and sexy. And, hey, yeah. look at us. This is fun. But their consumers want boring. They want to know what color does it come in, what sizes do they come yeah. in, um, what features does it have, does it do this, will it do that, does yeah. it solve my problem? And that's the key is that we're looking at this data as a way to understand the consumer. So I had a quote from the U.S. president of GTB um, who said... Who's GTB? GTB is the agency that I work for. Oh, excuse me, sorry. Right, so... Um, David Murphy, he's the U.S. president, and he's, he reminds us in, a, in the quote that I shared yesterday that we use data to understand the human user that's at the other end of search or at the other end of the algorithm or the other side of the screen. Mm. So it's very important that we look at data from that perspective. It's, we're not just looking at data for data's sake. I mean, mm. that's wonderful. And you I, think, I think a lot of us do, though. I, I fall into that habit myself. Yeah, we go down the little rabbit hole and, and, and like Alice, we, well, actually she does get out, doesn't she? I was gonna say, exactly. You know. But what we're looking at is, you know, what are the information needs of those consumers who are mm. researching the brands that we support? Yeah. And what do they want to know? 
And so, and I often have to tie this together because it's important to tell the brand story. We mm -hmm. don't want to ever forget that. Branding is really important. Um, Michelle Robbins was talking about that this morning in her keynote. Okay. You know, branding is important and it continues to be important. But from the Google side of things, from the search side of things, we have to understand, we have to earn people's attention, yeah. bring them into the website, then we can tell the story. We have to earn their attention first. Mm. And I think that's where a lot of brands are kind of falling off because they're looking at it from, they just want to tell their story. Mm. They're not thinking about what the end user needs to know, right? Yeah. So they're not looking at it from that human-centered perspective. I mean, a lot of brands are like we as human beings, is that we're the center of our own story, the star of our own film, and we exactly. fail to see the other perspective. Right. And that never works, I mean, that's not gonna work. It doesn't work. So, you know, if you wanna be like Amazon? Well, look at what Amazon does. They mm. provide their users with tons of useful information mm. about the products they sell. Yeah, I mean, on Amazon, it's really easy to find the information and the, right. the reassurance of the reviews, or even if a lot of them are false. But you, right. making the purchase decision on Amazon is actually really easy. Right. So when I was looking for a DVD player recently, I wanted a DVD player that I could plug in because my Wi-Fi in my basement is not as good as the Wi-Fi upstairs in my house. So I wanted to be able to run a, a cable to the thing and I wanted it to be able to stream Netflix. Yeah. So you have a den. Yeah. Yeah. That's an American word and I love it. So. Yeah. I have a den in my basement. It's in my basement, right? Brilliant. Sorry, I, I'm, I'm English, so I kind of I just got to read that excited. Yeah. So I mean, you know, we have our down there, and we have our TV, and I wanted a DVD player that I could plug a cable into. Okay. Well, most of the newer DVD players come with Wi-Fi only, really? which makes sense because most people are doing Wi-Fi. They don't run wires in their house. Yeah. Okay. I'm the nerd that wants to run a wire in my house, and I want to be able to plug it into a DVD player. So Amazon made yeah. my shopping process easier by being able to look at pictures of the backs of the DVD players right, that I was yeah, looking yeah. for and say, oh, there's the one that has a network connection for it. That's the one I want. You know, and then I look at the reviews and everything else. So what if the brand had that information on their website? Okay. Maybe I would have looked at their website and tried to see, but they don't have the pictures like that. I have to go to a third-party seller who has pictures of the products to be able to see that because they just show the front. I yeah. think that's all the people want to see. I want to see the back. So now, granted, you know, I'm one person out of a gazillion, right? But but, but they sold you the DVD player. But I so. ended up buying the DVD player because I found the info on Amazon. They made it a useful experience for yeah. me. And so when I hear brands saying they want to be like Amazon, I'm like, that's great. But what are you trying to emulate that Amazon does? And I think that usefulness of information is the one thing that they should emulate above anything else. Yeah, okay, brilliant. Yeah, I mean, unless they're selling things. I mean, if they're an e-commerce site... Yeah, obviously they want to sell things and get people in. That's yeah. understandable. That's a great conversion. Um, but for a lot of websites that are more information-based, mm. I think that information part is the part that they should really focus on. Yeah, and you're, t I mean, you're talking about data, data-driven. And where do you get the data to, to be able to make those decisions? So I have somebody on my team who is a, a brilliant person at analyzing lots of information. And mm. she has devised a process that we use that we call search informed content strategy. Ooh, We're can not you say that again? Search informed content strategy. Ooh, like yeah, we that. call it SICS, S-I-C-S. Oh, you so, mentioned that. Yeah, we're not the only ones that use a search-informed approach. I mean, obviously, that's not that's not the unique part. But the unique part of what we do is the amount of data that we gather together and then distill down. Okay. So when we're going and looking at finding out what topics are important to consumers when they're searching for something, we'll go down and use Moz or um, SEMrush or any number of tools, Uber suggests, whatever, mm. just to gather every possible query we can find. Then we go to Google and plug those into Google and pull them out. 
So we'll end up with 100,000 to 500,000 keywords, queries, oh, okay. depending on what the topic is. And then we run the filters through to distill out and get rid of the ones that are obviously irrelevant. Because yeah. if you're doing that much data, you're going to end up with some irrelevant things that don't necessarily apply to your product, yeah. but maybe semantically they might be connected somehow. So we get rid of all that, and then we take what's left and break it down but into topics. Mm. And then so we have these topics, and we have the t queries that go with those topics. So for example, if we could look at all of the queries that are related to color, mm. right? Color plus all the names of the colors, and we break those down into a topic. We find out what's the most common color, what's the most popular right. color. What is the color that's being searched for the most? So you do you use search volume as well? So we use search volume as well to understand the, the search demand, as we call it. I mean, you can call it whatever you want. We call it search demand. Um, I'll and, call it search demand, too. Yeah, it works really well. And so that's how we understand which topics are more important. Mm. So then we go to the clients and we say, okay, here's the top 20 things that your customers are looking for when they're searching for a product or service. These are the things you need to put on your website and you need to architect it in a way that makes it really easy for them to find it on Google and Bing. Yeah. Because that's where they're going to go usually to first to find that information. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's, it, it's kind of giving them the keys to the kingdom in, in order to help them to uh, do better in search. Yeah. I mean, I'd say it's pulling all this data, look at what yeah. the, the real problems are, the real pain points, right. and address them from the point of the user as a solution for that user exactly. in the situation they're in. You know, and it's funny, when, when we look at it, when I look at the data, I'm often quite surprised at which topics are more important to the consumers, because they are not what the brand is thinking a yeah. lot of times, and they're not what I'm thinking. I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, I was looking at one just this morning, I was totally astounded by this one product, is like, I would have never picked that out of in a million years that that was the most important thing. I would have thought it was 10 other things before yeah. it was that. And it's really quite surprising. And we, we often think, I mean, as brands and as people, that we know yeah. how other people act and our clients yeah. act and all think, and, and we don't. Um, no. And, and using data to figure it out through right. kind of what are the volumes of the keyword search, brilliant. And that's why I, I, I like the method that we're doing because when people go to Google and Bing or Yandex or Baidu, whatever they're using, when they're typing in a query, they're being completely honest and transparent. There's no bias there. Mm. This is what they are looking for. Uh, so when we look at like survey data, you know, they say, okay, well, when you're purchasing a product, what mm. are the most important things to you? And they usually give you a list. Mm. And then sometimes at the bottom of the list, there'll be like other and you could fill in a box. But, you know, honestly, how many people mm. take the time to do that? But where does that list come from? It comes from either the survey company or from the brand. Yeah. It's got a bias in built yeah, into yeah. it. Now, I'm not saying that data is completely useless. It's very useful, mm. but it's only telling part of the story. Um, same thing with focus groups. Mm. You know, there's a certain bias that's built into a focus group because you usually get the people into a room and you start asking them questions. But a lot of times the questions are based on other data that the brand or the yeah. survey company already knows. Yeah. So when we look at it, so again, that's good. That's, it's important to do mm. that, but it's not the end all and be all. Like I said, you go back to Google and Bing when they're typing something in search. I mean, they're up late at night thinking, you know, I need to buy something and I'm going to go mm. on there and they're typing in the question very honest, very transparent, and there's no bias. Yeah. Okay. So it's giving us a more complete view that we can take surveys and focus groups and other types of data and put them together and get a really good, complete picture mm. of what that consumer looks like. Yeah, with unbiased data, that's brilliant. Yeah. SEO is AEO, <laughs> thank you, Elmer. And thank you, Jason. <laughs>